0: Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge podcast. On today's episode, we've got a panel of teachers who will be weighing in on a number of topics. Our guests are Lindsay Matthews, an English teacher at Pocatello's Alameda Middle School, Julie Naraki, a math teacher at Idaho Falls Skyline High, and Dr. Karen Lauritsen, a teacher at Post Falls Treaty Rock Elementary and Idaho's Teacher of the Year. Hope you enjoy the show. We are back with another Teachers Lounge teacher panel, our last one of the school year. And we've got a couple fun topics this week. We're gonna be talking about summer and what teachers do with their time and how to help students during the summer. We're also gonna be talking about Teacher Appreciation Week. And we'll be hearing from these teachers about a teacher that inspired them. The first question is about that summer break and do you guys um, get done with school like the first weekend of June?
1: Um, I get done, um, this is Karen,
2: I get done on June 8th. How
0: about you, Lindsay?
2: Um, our last day with students is May 31st, but we're going through that next Monday, which I guess is June 5th.
0: Okay. And then Julie, I think you were on mute
3: before. We're, we're out Here. on May 26th.
0: Okay, yeah, so coming up in a couple weeks for everybody, So I was just curious how you all spend your summer Um, what do you plan to do with that time and what's the best use of time for you that helps you be reset and ready for another school year? I know for some teachers, they just pack it full of conferences and professional development and that really energizes them for the school year. For other teachers, that time's all about family and there's not one work thing that they want to do. I remember when I was teaching, when I got to summer, the first week was like a Netflix coma where I was just trying to recover from the crazy year. And then the next week would be like all the appointments I never had time for, like doctor's appointment, dentist, getting your hair cut. And then maybe the next week was like cleaning my house and doing yard work. So I always felt like it took me a solid three weeks to just recover. And then I always had a list of projects to do, you know, like a summer bucket list kind of, and it would be real ambitious. And by the end of the summer, I'd have like, I don't know, maybe like a fifth of those things done. But it was always critical for me to have that time to just relax so that I could be ready and feel excited in the fall again. So I want to hear what you guys do, how you spend your summer. And then the second part of the question, what advice would you give to parents to curb what's called the summer slide? And so that basically means kind of some learning loss that occurs in kids over the summer because they're out of school. So would you guys recommend like some enrichment activities? Or do you think it's okay for kids to just totally take a break and be kids? So we're going to start with Julie for
3: this question. What do you think? Um, so as far as, you know, summer, what I do with summer, um, typically I have AP conferences that I go to, um, conferences for the association, um, and and it's pretty packed with lesson planning and trying to get ahead so that the year goes more smoothly. Um, but this summer, I actually said no to everything, so I'm not going to a single conference um, because last summer I felt like I just ran myself ragged and then By the time the school year came, I I was constantly wanting a little bit of a break. So I'm gonna take a break this summer. Um, And so I have a lot of things on my list that I wanna do. Um, My daughter just graduated from college and commissioned into the army, and she's going to be um, heading to her um, officer leader training in Fort Sam Houston. And so I'm gonna drive with her there. Um, So I'm just gonna kind of take it easy um, because I think teachers do really need to reset uh, And, and I always find that August 1st rolls around way too fast and I haven't actually touched that list of things I needed to do. And then I try to rush to get them in. So I, I've actually made a really long list and I want to check them off a little bit at a time and just take care of my family a little bit, because I think during the school year between teaching and being president of the association here, I just don't have time to do that kind of stuff. Um, Are you wanting me to answer question two at the same time, the summer slide? or Well,
0: I'll jump in for a sec. I just wanted to say kudos to you for, you know, taking a break because I think the pace of teaching through the school year is really pretty crazy for nine, 10 months. And so I think it's great that you're taking a step back. And summer's really not as long as it seems, you know, it looks like three months, but then Schools usually start up mid-August, so then it's really like 10 weeks. And then once you factor in your professional development, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's it might be more like six to eight. So good for you for taking taking a break. So what do you think about the summer slide and preventing that?
3: I think it's kind of tricky and it probably depends more on on the ages of, of the kids, but, um... You know, I, I think, I think all kids need a chance to take a break. And, um, and so, you know, do you want to push them the whole summer? No, they need some reset time too, but, um, I think the summer slide is, I mean, it is a real thing. And so, you know, if we could encourage parents to take a little bit of time to make sure kids are, are reading and, and still engaging in learning, um, I think I think that's probably the best thing for everybody um and and maybe it's it's a chance for them to to kind of fall in love with learning if we can make it fun and i know that there's lots of camps out there and um lots of projects and extensions that kids can do um i i just it's really hard to take that much of an academic break and think that you're going to come back and pick up and and continue you know the kids will grow but they will have lost some And so, um, you know, anything that parents can do, keeping up a reading schedule with their kids, um, you know, there's all kinds of online classes kids can kind of take that are not necessarily like rigorous classes, but fun classes and extensions. I I would think anything we can do to teach them that, that you're always a learner and you're always growing, um, is beneficial. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that. The love of learning and learning can look different in the summer. It can be more hands-on, more activity-based, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a a school subject, you know, um, with the camps that they go to. So, all right, thanks. Um, Karen, what do you think? What are your summer plans and your thoughts on Summer Slide?
1: Um, I am always completely packed over the summer with teaching. And that's kind of why when people say that, you know, teachers get the summers off, um, you know, I I typically use my summers to to help myself become a better teacher. And a lot of times that looks like either continuing my education, like for example, that's when I get a lot of my master's degree credits or my PhD credits, um, which I graduate tomorrow with which is very exciting. Um, but I always fill it with there's so many opportunities for educators if educators um, just look. Like, for example, I'm super excited. Um, I think the it's the week right after I get out of school. I am flying to uh, Virginia with the George Washington Library. Um, for a week-long institute with other educators to learn about um, the women of the George Washington era, which will give me like so much really cool information about social studies. And that was paid for um, through a grant by the George Washington Library. So there's so many cool opportunities. Um, This year, I also get to go to space camp, which is super exciting. So that will be some really exciting STEM stuff. Um, Another thing that I applied for um, is I get to go to South Africa um, with the um, NEA for um, their global learning fellowship, which will help me teach um, the kids in my classroom how to be more globally competent. And I always uh, teach professional development to other educators within uh, the state of Idaho at the IEA Summer Institute. Um, which is just a way that I'm able to give back to other teachers. I know, for example, in my school district, we only have one professional development day a year. And so it's just not enough to um, really grow and learn as an educator. So that's where I learned some of my best professional development is from other educators at that institute. Um, Additionally, um, you know, you always hear people say that educators get three months off in the summer. Um, Well, my school goes until um, at least the second week of June. And I know as an educator, I'm always back by the second week of August to help set up my classroom. So that's really two months. (laughs) And in that time, I am just usually just packed full of learning Um, and, you know, within that I also try to get some fun adventures with my family in, um, but I always try to also just develop my skills as an educator. Um, And that's kind of like leads me into um, kind of the summer slide is kind of that helps me, you know, not have a teacher slide too. Um, is that it helps me, like, what am I interested in? And that's kind of what I do as an educator is I use my time over the summer to to kind of do what my interests are or what am I excited about. And that's what I encourage parents to do as well. Um, so just ask your kids, is there something you've always wanted to learn about or, you know, figure out? Go to the library, check out a book, um, find out, you know, how to raise bees or, you know, find out how to, you know, make a pinch pot, you know, there's always time to not be in front of a screen or to just do something that is fun and interesting for your kid. If your kid wants to learn how to sew, I mean, there's always so many cool things that they can do. I also encourage parents um, to go to their school, wherever their local school is, they always have a, a free lunch program over the summer. And that is just a great way for kids to meet up with other kids. They usually have, um, free books that they give away. Um, and it's just a great way to kind of keep kids in that mindset of like, oh yeah, there's school. (laughs) And so, um, I usually, uh, tell my parents that, um, it's a great time to go get your free lunch and then pop by the library and then go home. And so then you've had lunch, you've had a book. And it's just a great way to just kind of keep that learning going over the summer. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Lots of good ideas there. And your summer sounds packed. Do you have any free weeks in there?
1: Um, I am, I thrive when I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just, that's how I roll. Yeah. I realize that everything's not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's just how i i do best so i I just know that about myself and um that's okay with me yeah awesome
0: but i love how you mentioned the teacher slide too i had never thought of that as being a thing but i think that's super interesting and then i like how you describe for kids letting their curiosity and interest lead the way like are they interested in pottery do what they want to learn about this or that so i think that's a really cool idea And I wanted to mention too at the beginning of this episode, I was talking about like recovering the first couple weeks of my summer. But I wanted to add that all those summers that I did teach, I also did lots of PD and conferences. Like I was an AP reader one year, I'd always go back to school early for building leadership training. Um, I helped develop curriculum at the beginning of the summer. And as an English teacher, we'd be, like, reading novels to see, like, would this work for next year? And when I first asked myself, what did I do in the summer, I, like, forgot all those things because <laughs> you just naturally do work things in the summer. Um, but I wanted to add that because I know there's a perception that, um, you know, summer's just a big vacation. But really... A lot of work does happen, I think, for all teachers, and it's just a critical piece of recovery. And if teachers do get away with not working at all during their summer, I fully respect that, too, because like Julie or Karen was saying, um, every teacher has, has different needs. So anyway, let's go to Lindsay. Your thoughts on summer plans and summer slide?
2: Okay, so mine is um, much less profound professionally productive. Um, I have small kids and I have ever since I've been a teacher. Uh, my oldest just turned 13, my middle guy is 10 and my youngest is about to turn 6. I feel like often during the school year, you know, uh, my my job comes first, my role as a teacher comes first, so I love summers for putting my family and my kids first. Like. I live for the adventures that I have with them. I always make sure, um, like I read a new novel and try to find something new for the content I'm teaching. This past summer I switched from mostly junior English to sixth grade. And then this next year I'm switching from sixth grade to seventh grade. So I'll be reading the books that are available and finding out what books I'm interested in teaching. Um, I also did an Idaho assessment, alternative assessment, uh, summit last year. And so like, I always try to do some productive professional things where I am contributing and continuing my education, but I am very much a mom first in the summer and I love that. Um, it's super fun. And that kind of ties into how I help my kids battle their summer slide is with them as my priority. Like I have my oldest will be attending a firefighter, junior firefighter camp and their robotics camp. Um, and my younger two will be attending weekly uh, zoo camps on different animals because they are very into animals and so I just kind of make them my old. Ulti- I mean and of course that's my children they're always my priority but it really truly is just all about them and so you know we have certain to-do lists and tasks that they have to complete on a daily basis to earn things that aren't as beneficial to them we do a lot of swimming we spend a lot of time outside um, but I really get excited for you know working full-time during the day you kind of miss out on the mommy and me stuff and some of those activities. So it's really fun to be able to go to those things that during the school year, I do miss out on. So that's kind of my whole thing for the summers, I guess.
0: Yeah, I love that. And even though all three of you said something a little different for, for what you do with your summer, I think at the root of it all was, you do what will make you guys the best teacher come fall. Whether that's hitting pause, getting energized with events, taking family time, and I think I love that, you know, that everybody kind of tailors it to them. So, oh, and then your summer slide ideas for your kids. I love that too, going back to just their interests and using community resources. I feel like a lot of community organizations step up in the summer and have a lot of offerings, and even in small communities, I'm sure like the local libraries have something going on, you know, So so let's go to question two. We are recording this on May 12th, which is the end of Teacher Appreciation Week. So with that in mind, first of all, kudos to you all for being the teachers that you are. And I wanted to ask, you know, obviously we want to appreciate our teachers all year, not just on Teacher Appreciation Week. So how can students, parents and administrators best show their support for you guys? Um, Karen, we'll start with you this time.
1: Um, I think that the best thing that our communities can do to show support for educators um, is to just basically to listen to educators when educators say what we need. Um, and that can be um, just, you know, for parents, like if we say that, um, you know, we we need something um, you know, when it comes to a kid to to trust us. Um, if we are working with a school district and we, you know, we say that we need something to make our schools better, um, you know, to, to trust our expertise. And for communities, I think a lot of that is um, just making sure that you're aware of what's actually happening in your local schools and just kind of being You know aware of not just what's going on in you know the national news but what's really happening in your local schools and to that um making sure that you are getting out and voting to support your schools and when you do that you're really supporting teachers and showing teachers that you believe in them and believe in what they do i think that that's really important Um, i also think that you know when people um ask teachers to have a seat at the table when decisions are being made. Um, that's really teacher appreciation because um, the people that I work with here in Idaho, especially as teachers, are the most dedicated, the most amazing professionals that I, I can imagine ever working with. And the educators in Idaho absolutely know how to make education the best it can be for all of the students in this state. And we just have to listen to them. And we have to be able to give them a seat at the table where decisions are being made and to take their expertise at face value. And I think that once that happens, teachers will truly feel appreciated and that will help with teacher retention as well.
0: All right, thanks for that insight. I'm surprised by your answer. I just wasn't expecting it because usually, like on Teacher Appreciation Week, it's kind of infamous for well-intentioned efforts that are the best a district can do, but a lot of, like, teacher accounts online kind of take this week and highlight, like, a pun and a small piece of candy that missed the mark or something. But I love how you're taking a wider look and it doesn't have to be necessarily like a gift or something or some a material item. It can simply be listening to educators, voting, giving educators a seat at the table. And like you said, those can stand to make a real lasting change more than a, a small gesture on a certain week might, not to say that those aren't appreciated, but. um, Lindsay, what do you think? What What goes the longest to help teachers feel supported by students, parents, and administrators?
2: Um, I'm pretty much going to echo a lot of what Karen said. I think allowing us to have a voice, allowing us to speak, trusting what we have to say and trusting what we're doing in the classroom. Um, one of my first parent communications this week on parent or teacher appreciation week, um, I was accused of lying about one of my students playing games during class. And that just was kind of like a bummer. Like I really like that's not, you know, like I'm a teacher because I enjoy reading and writing and I want to pass on that passion, that love, the stuff that I know and like I feel is really important. And so when I have those communications and I express my concerns for such things, like it comes from a place of like, I know that this kid could be making a better choice or I know that this choice is negatively impacting academic success. And so then to just be, told that I'm lying is kind of, I don't know, it's just a weird way to start the week. Um, And so, you know, trusting that like when we have that feedback, even if it might not be the feedback that people wanna hear, it's gonna be genuine feedback. I'm not gonna make that up or I'm not out, you know, I love, I genuinely love all of my students and that's why I'm in the classroom. Um, And I do think that support is really important. like this most recent voting that we had in the Pocatello area, a lot of people were opposed to the levy that we need to help fund a lot of stuff, um, with our buildings and in our buildings. And, um, you know, there's, in a lot of the parenting groups I'm into, I'm noticing a big increase in parents who support homeschooling and private schooling. And it always just kind of makes me feel very anxious. Um, cause as a teacher, like I'm very much pro public school and every educator I know and have ever worked with, I have like trusted all the, the, Educators, my kids have had in all of their schools. I have, like, really, we've really, my husband and I were just talking yesterday morning about how lucky we have been for us and our kids with the educators they've gotten. So I really just think that voice, support, and trust is really like, that's just, that would be great. That would be fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and giving teachers the benefit of the doubt, knowing they're well intentioned and, and care about the kids. Um, so we were going to go to Julie next, but she lost internet connections. She said at the beginning of the episode that she kind of had spotty internet. So if she ends up joining, I'll have her answer that question. Um, since she's out, I'll talk about some things that I remember from my career. Um, I always felt appreciated when a parent would take the time to write an email saying like, hey, just so you know, like your lesson came up around the dinner table and my student was so excited about their essay or their research project. And those would always make me feel good that they, you know, took the time to tell me that because otherwise I don't know, you know, what the students are saying. Um, Notes from kids always mean a lot, but it doesn't always occur to them to write a note of thanks to their teacher. So, you know, parents out there, you can say, hey, this week, I want you to write a quick note to each of your teachers, and that always means a lot. And then during graduation, getting those graduation announcements meant the world to me. It just, it's so cool to see your student reach that milestone. And obviously, that only applies to teachers in secondary, although I guess it doesn't have to. I'm sure elementary teachers would love to have graduation announcements from, from some of their former students. So
2: those are a couple ideas. Lindsay, you have another thought? Um I actually wanted to add, so I did not expect to get any graduation announcements this year, having moved down to the middle school level. And I have had five of my former students send me their graduation announcements to my middle school. And it wow. has really meant the world to me. And in our district, Popotel Chubbuck, um, there's Simplot, maybe the Simplot Inspirational Teacher Award. And um, I just got my nomination essays in my teacher mailbox this morning. And I was like reading, and crying on my prep because those words, those positive words do mean so much. And I have, when you mentioned um, the parents sending those positive emails, um, I love, like I remember last year, I don't even remember exactly what I said or did, but I had a little like, one-on-one conversation with a kid not even content related but just like a check-in and his mom sent me an email and was like i do not know what you said to my son today but it just made his day so thank you so much and that was like again i don't remember the conversation i remember the kid but i don't remember the specifics of the conversation but to this day like that was something that really meant a lot and that feedback was awesome so i agree with mm-hmm. absolutely everything you said mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and that feedback is meaningful because it's genuine.
0: You know, even if it only takes three minutes to fire off an email, um, that feeling stays with that teacher for a long time. Um, so Julie, it looks like you are back with us. Um, so we were just on the question about how parents, administrators, and students can support teachers. So what are your thoughts on that one? Um.
3: So... I think that, um, I think that the best way, um, to show teacher appreciation, you know, everybody thinks it's, it's, you know, it's the little notes and, and I love the notes. Don't get me wrong. The notes are probably the, the highlight of everything and the plates at the keys and the little, you know, the little thoughtful gifts, um, you know, and, and our district likes to send us a treat basket with, you know, some fruit and snacks and, but, but in reality, you know, kind of kind of what everybody else has said, if you want to show teachers appreciation, you have to appreciate us all the time. And and you appreciate us by valuing education. Um, You appreciate us by making sure that education is a priority for your families and that your students attend school. Um, You know, we're struggling in this state right now with attendance, we're going back to an ADA model for funding. Um, And so you know it, it used to be that i might have one student a year who would take a week-long vacation um, and now it's more like i wonder how many kids are going to be gone this week and i've got every every week we've just got kids going for extra vacation and extra vacation and and it sends a message that that education isn't important um they they don't get out to vote for education um there's all kinds of things that that parents can do. So if you want to support teachers, you need to support education. You need to show that education is important. Um, You need to show that um, teachers are respected and, and, you know, you do that at home. We can't continue to have conversations about um, the negative things about education and teachers continuously. I think the kids don't pick up on that. So, Um, the notes are amazing and, and the shout outs that we get on social media, um, during this week, it's a fun week. Um, our school tries to make it really fun. We did a survivor challenge. Um, but, but really, if you want to support teachers, then we just need you to support education all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love your point about school attendance as a way to appreciate teachers. Um, and ultimately, it hurts that student more than anyone. And occasionally, you know, things come up that can't be avoided. That's understandable. But when parents can try to align their vacations with spring break or other built-in breaks, um, that really helps. And as you mentioned, schools are going back to average daily attendance-based funding as opposed to enrollment-based funding, and. In most schools, attendance has taken a hit since COVID and really shifted the way that students attend school. So, you know, any parents listening out there, that's something that, you know, you could definitely try to focus on for next school year, it sounds like, according to our teachers. Um, okay, so let's go on to the last question here. So the question I wanted to ask you guys was, who is your favorite or most memorable teacher and why? Many of us went into teaching because we had one or more teachers who were influential and inspired us. And I also asked this question because at Idaho Education News, we're starting up a new, st- a new favorite teacher series. And so Sadie Dittenber has started this up and she'll be interviewing different people across the state about who their favorite teacher is. And we're also asking readers to write in and tell us, you know, who's a teacher that you would like to recognize. Um, so I thought it would be fitting to, to hear from you guys about that. So Lindsay, let's start
2: with you. Um, so my favorite teacher is the reason I became a teacher. Um, her name was Robin Croft and she was my, um, journalism, newspaper, and, um, English teacher at Highland High School throughout my 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade years. So I had her during like the most formative years of my writing and reading career, she introduced me to some of my most treasured writers to this day. Um, I have my first ever literary tattoo I got for my sleeve was The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. And I don't think I ever would have read Sylvia Plath if it hadn't been for her. Um, She was uh, just a fun lady who was just unabashedly herself. And she had such a like plethora of knowledge, but she was also very willing to admit when she was wrong and when she needed to find out more and she just set this like great precedent of being a well educated and knowledgeable teacher who was still willing to to listen to students and to take feedback and to improve and try again and i just remember always feeling comfortable in taking chances or in not knowing things and very curious and always wanting to learn more and so she she is just any time I get that question, it is like, it is just, she's, it's just her. She's just that person for me. And I'm so thankful that I was able to have her for four years in a row.
0: I love that.
2: Um, and I actually had her
0: as a teacher too. Lindsay and I went to the same high school, Highland High School in Pocatello High. And I remember having her my senior year and she was always a quirky, really fun teacher. I remember writing poems in her class and things like that. Um, but yeah, she was definitely a standout for sure.
3: All right, Julie, who is was yours? Uh, mine was actually um, a math teacher when I was um, a senior in high school. And I had actually always wanted to be um, a history teacher. I, I loved history. I loved how they got up and told stories. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and my, my dad, who was an engineer, was like, oh, you don't want to be a teacher. My mom was a band teacher, too. So, you know, you don't want to be a teacher. Be an engineer. That's what you want to do. And I didn't want to be like my dad. Um, so I was going to be a, a history teacher. And my senior year of high school, um, I went to award ceremony and my math teacher awarded me a math student of the year award. And, and he wrote me this letter and he said, I know you want to be a teacher, but do you really wanna teach history? You have this natural talent for math and you can teach people math. You help all of your classmates. And, um, and I, I did actually go on to be an engineer first, but it when I decided to go into teaching, it was one of those things. I still have that letter. I think about it all the time. Um, and, and he saw something in me that I had no idea I had. And so I love the fact that as a teacher, that's really what we get to do all the time we we try to bring out what's best in kids and a lot of times you know it's because we believe in kids um, that they have an opportunity to believe in themselves and so I I think that that's what I um, what Mr. Osher did for me was he you know he believed in me in fact when I was going through engineering school and I was struggling in math I would kind of think back to everything that he would have said Um, to me when I would struggle and and how to problem solve, all of those things, because he he never gave up on us. He always believed in us. And and so it's just such a powerful thing. And I try to to duplicate that sometimes in my own classroom, you know, how would Mr. Osher help these kids get through this problem, so.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's such a great story. And I love that each of you were inspired by the teacher and the subject you went on to teach in. And it is cool to hear those stories and remember that as a teacher, these little words that you say to someone can make a huge lasting impact. And you never know which words or which students it's gonna be. And sometimes it might be kind of years before you hear back from that student, but that's really cool. So what was that teacher's name again? It was Mr. Osher. Do you know his first name? John. Okay. And where? Where did he teach? He taught at Lakewood High School in Florida. All right, there you go. So shout out
1: to Mr. Osher. All right, Karen, who was yours? Um, Mine was my second grade teacher. And the amazing thing is she retired last year. (laughs) And so I think that um, she, I I think that she was like in her first or second year of teaching when I had her, her name was Sally Newberry and she was just magic. Um, she had this like funky red couch in our classroom that like had like both big seats and little seats. She had a refrigerator box in our classroom that was painted purple. That was a phantom toll booth. And, um, she used to read out loud to us. And I remember that I always thought, you know, school was pretty cool. And I was always that kid, you know, that just thought school was neat. Um, but Miss Newberry read out loud to us from the BFG uh, by Roald Dahl. And when she like did the voices and she just made that book come alive to where for the first time in my life, I just knew that teachers were magicians. Like they were people who could take all of these little crazy nuts of kids and make them do anything. And Miss Newberry was just the coolest. And her dad was a veterinarian. And so she had all of these like um, X-rays of animals and she put them up on the wall, on the windows. And so everything in her classroom was interesting. And everything was just fascinating. And I just remember that every day in school was just so exciting. And I remember that for show-and-tell, I asked her one time if my dad could bring his stock car, because my dad was a stock car driver. And she was like, yeah, (laughs) and he didn't say no. And so I literally brought my dad and his stock car for show-and-tell. Uh, which for like, a shy little nerd was pretty much the coolest thing ever. And I, it's so cool because I still am her Facebook friend and I still get to share things with her and she gets to share in my teacher of the year journey. And I absolutely love telling stories about her that get back to her and make her feel like the amazing educator that that she knows that she is, and that she deserves to feel like every day. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, she's she's just magic. So I think she's just the coolest cat.
0: That's awesome. I love that you guys are still in touch, and I love that you said teachers are magicians. It reminds me of that old cartoon, The Magic School Bus and Miss Frizzle, you know? <laughs> but yeah, just teachers who are fun, who made a difference, who made us feel like we belonged in the classroom or saw our potential or you know gave us experiences that we won't forget. I think that's super cool. And the reporter I mentioned, Sadie Dittenber, she's going to do a full story on Karen and her teacher. So listeners keep an eye out for that. I'm sure it will be really good. And that is really it for our episode. Thank you for listening to the Teacher's Lounge podcast.
1: Don't forget to go to IdahoEducationNews.org for all the latest, and we'll see you next time.